0: Two thousand and nineteen and coming up on the diary this week, I'm going to make it my first fifty k book to be written in three weeks is almost completed. It's a promo fest with ads booked with book sweeps, Amazon bargain booksy, and another submission to bookbub. I've news on that coming up today. interesting news, and I'm talking book brush lock screen ads, email newsletters and more. That's all coming up in today's podcast diary. It's going to be quite a detailed one today because there's so much going on. I'm surprised myself actually how much is going on. Let's start though with this week's word count and I said it in the headlines there that I'm actually going to finish draft one of my first military sci-fi book on Sunday. So last Sunday I wrote 5,159 words. Yesterday as I'm recording this, Thursday the 31st of Jan, I wrote 5,147 words. Today, I wrote 5,024 words, and that brings my total up to about 47,000 words. So, um, I got 5,000 to write on Sunday, Sunday the 3rd of February, and that will be my 50,000 word or thereabout book, uh, completed in the first draft. Now, I've never written that fast before, as you know. So it's been remarkable to me to discover that I can write that fast, especially when I'm working uh, full days, three days a week, and I'm effectively squeezing that writing into every single day. And i got to tell you, um, I know I was telling you that it felt a bit intense at first, but I've I've got the rhythm of it now. I think that a combination of having the lurgy and also starting a book. Starting a book, starting a series is always hard because you're you're scurrying around trying to get traction, trying to find uh, the story of the world, I think. And then you you hit a point when it becomes sentient and you're off. And I got to tell you, when I was writing yesterday and today, uh, I'm back to my 5,000k writing speed now, just banging the words out. The story kind of takes care of itself. So I've created this world, these characters now, and it becomes much easier to get the writing done. But to have got 50,000 words done in three weeks, as I will have done on Sunday, that feels quite remarkable. I never thought I'd get that done, never be able to write that fast. Um, it, I, it's still intense. So that that sort of feeling that you get when you're going through the week and you think, oh, Saturday's coming or Sunday's coming, I'll, I'll have a day off. And you think, actually, no, I'm not going to have a day off. I'll be writing again on that day. What I have done to try and get around that because too much work makes Jack or Jill a dull boy or girl. Uh, to, to get around that, I have been, I think I used to feel this way when I was on the radio. When when, when I used to present programs during the day, when you've done a program, a two or three hour radio program, um, there's no question that you've kind of earned your money for that day. You've, you've produced something tangible. And that's how I feel writing 5,000 words a day. So whereas I might sit here all day, Messing around with Amazon ads and, and doing general kind of book admin. When I write 5,000 words in a day, there's no kind of doubt about it in that day that you have achieved something. You've hit a great target. So I am feeling much happier having done 5,000 words in a day to then go off and, and watch TV a little bit earlier. Um, now, you know, that's quite a bad habit to be honest with you because I used to work up till nine o'clock every evening and I have been uh, finishing a little bit earlier when I've been writing 5,000 words. but my feeling is if i'm working all the time it's a bit relentless so i do view tv time because i don't well, i don't watch tv idly i watch it actively so watching tv idly is when you just put it on in the corner and it's just noise in the background it's just literally background noise i watch tv very proactively so i i watch um dramatic series mainly that you know for for the story i'm looking for the story i'm looking for creative ideas from them so the reason i watch box sets on Prime and on Netflix is for that very reason. I'm looking at it really for storycraft, so it's it's kind of work, but it's not work. It's relaxing work. But I am primarily there to absorb great stories. That's why I like Netflix and Prime. So I'm doing it often from an author's point of view. But clearly, you're sitting down, you're watching something you enjoy. It's also entertainment. So I am. I've been finishing a little bit earlier and watching a bit more TV recently. But uh, I figure that because I'm writing so fast at the moment, that just creates that kind of headspace, that break, so you don't feel like you're working all the time. And, and it's working okay for me, and I'm quite happy to sit down and do the writing every day. The ideas are coming uh, thick and fast, and that's kind of what you need when you're writing. So um, next week, I should be reporting that I have finished book one, and I'm into editing, and I should also be telling you that, what, by next Friday, I should have 10,000 words of the next one written. Now, because this is a trilogy, to be honest with you, it, it could almost be written as one 150,000 word book, but I ain't gonna do that because to me that makes no sense from a sales point of view. And I do hear people talking about writing these massive books, you know, massive, massive books. And um my my view of that is, unless you're George RR R. Martin and you know you're going to flog the thing, I wouldn't do that, I think you're better off splitting the story into compartments, because a um, 150,000 word book is a lot of effort to put into a book if it just dies on you, you know, if the book, if it just dies and you've got it wrong, you've got the market wrong, you've got the story wrong, that's a monumental amount of work to put into a book for it to die. So my view always is, when I see people with long books, I always think, hmm, certainly for my first books, when I, I have got no track record, you know, I don't know whether people even like my writing or not, whether it's hitting the mark, I would always split that into smaller uh, chunks and sell smaller books, because the more units you got, the more money you make. That's that's the, the bottom line of it. So that's just my view and a little diversion there. But that's um, what I was going to tell you about it being effectively a 150,000-word story, it is, each part of the story is compartmentalised, which is why I'm turning it into a trilogy. Um, but a trilogy is going to be easier to sell. Uh, also, my military sci-fi might tank it, might be rubbish. So if I launched a 150,000 word book, not only would I have to make the price bigger, the marketing options would be severely reduced. And I couldn't bundle it as three single books, um, books two and three together as a double pack for people who've already got book one or a trilogy. So it makes much more sense for me always to write slightly shorter rather than longer. So the longest I've written is 90,000 words. I think probably my sweet spot in terms of length, ability to produce a book fast and not putting so much effort into a book if it tanks that you've kind of wasted a year or two years of your life. Probably 75,000 words is possibly the sweet spot would be my, my view on that. But anything between 50 and 90 is what I like to, to write. And they all sell, frankly. And no one ever says, Oh, I, I feel short changed. That book's too short. No, no one's ever done that with my 50,000 word books. So anyhow, that's writing progress. Okay. Here's the big news this week. Remember last week I said to you that I'm going to be submitting. Don't tell Meg for a book bub again and that it's, it was due on the 30th, 30th of January. I was able to submit it. Well, I submitted it on the uh, 30th of January and I got another one first time. Who, who could believe that? Now, for those of you who've never had a book bub and just want to slap me around the face with a leather glove several times, uh, my, my apologies, but I, I can't tell you how I got that because I honestly thought. I thought, right, it's third time in a row. This book's going to be much less attractive to BookBub now. It's going to be getting a bit tired and worn as far as BookBub are concerned. And so I just, honestly, I just submitted it. I didn't even put a note on it this time. I just submitted the book and thought, the are bound to knock it back. I'm going to just, you know, that's just brace myself. I'm just going to keep trying and trying and trying. So not even a little message in there to say, hey, you know, this book sold so many last time or it's done really well, blah, 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 blah. I didn't put anything on. I just submitted it, changed the price. Put it wide and off it went. Got an email back straight away within 24 hours saying you've got a slot. 24th of February, I've got a slot. So I'm really happy with that because I got three weeks to get ready for it. If you remember last time I went wide, I had problems getting the book reduced to zero. So I got a really good run in on it. It's not like it's next week or this week. You know, it's, I've got a good run in for this. So I'm very happy with that. I have time to get ready for it. Now, um, so that's the third book bub on Don't Tell Meg it's the second going wide the first one i did was uh kdp select now um, bookbubs must be diminishing returns for bookbub as much as me you know I'd expect the income to go down and down and down over time though I think they, they they said about the list size the list size that it goes to is I think it's something like three is it three million people I mean that that's off the top of my head but that that sounds remarkable to me I think it's about three million people that it goes to and they reckon that you uh you get about 36,000 sales I think it is on average something like that don't quote me on that but it's it's uh it's the the, the numbers are high but they've put their prices up. The price this time was £493.85. That's what I paid. I think it went through PayPal. That's what I paid for it in pounds by the time it went through. And that's a lot more than they charged me last time. So, you know, they know their value. And the only reason I'd pay that is because I'm very, you know, I know I've done it. This is the, this is my fourth book, Bob. I know I'm going to make my money back. So I'm at least going to make my money back. Now, don't tell Meg for the last two times I've had bookbubs on it has been worth in the region of 5 to 7000 pounds of income to me and that income has come in over 3 months over the successive sort of 3 months so usually um I don't know why this is I think it's just because of the cycle I'm in I've generally had bookbubs just in the last couple of days of the month so I usually have a good month um in, in the sort of few days that I get at the tail end of a month then I have a fantastic month which is 4 to 5000 Pounds, not dollars, it's four to five thousand pounds, and then I have a couple of months where it's maybe sort of one and a half to two, something like that. It, pe- it peters out now. Don't tell megas perform better than my uh, the grid trilogy did. So, the grid still made me good money, it was still three four thousand pounds, I think it was on the grid, uh, poss- possibly more. I you know, what I'm like with accounting, um, I lose interest once the big payments come and it's spent. I lose interest, I don't, I'm not a big figures guy. Uh, I, I it's funny, I was having my haircut today. And the the hairdresser was saying, "What was the temperature out in Spain?" And I said, "I don't really know. I don't. I don't kind of really care about that. It's either hot enough or it's too cold." And people say to me, uh, "People get very geeky about internet download speeds." And they say, "Oh, how many super megabits per millisecond is it?" And I said, "I don't go. No, and I don't care. Uh, it's either fast enough or it's too slow. That, that's and, and that's how I feel about uh, books. I don't. I can't get sort of excited about the detail. I only care if the income I make from it." is the stepping stone to get me where I want to go next. So apologies that I'm not all over the figures with this uh, in, in a geeky kind of way. So the reason I want this money is I I want to pay for new covers. I want a, 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 a spanking new sort of not Paul Teague DIY job cover on So Many Lies. I've got the money already f- from the grid t- uh, promo on BookBub to pay for the edit that's booked in. And I want to get new covers on my thriller standalones. Now I know the date of my book bub, I can factor in my rapid re-release of my thriller. So let me tell you how this pans out now. The book bub is on February the 25th. So I'll get a tail end of February. I'll get a good sort of tail end of February in terms of income. Uh, well, I get four days once I have book bub. So that'll be whatever it is, a thousand pounds at the tail end of, of February. Give me a good month that will. Um, but then March will be a very good month. And then May will be sorry March, April, and May will have higher income. And then from May in June, and July it'll drop off. So what what, what I'm going to do is it'd be crazy for me to unpublish my standalone thrillers while I've got all this traffic going at Don't Tell Meg because I will get a certain buy-in from my standalones as well. I'll, uh, I usually get I make the money off the read-through on the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. So people get book one free. I make all my money when people buy books two and three at the the box set, and the box set that has books two and three in it. So that's where I make my money, um, giving away Don't Tell Meg for free. I also get a small trickle, and I've never really cracked this. I don't know why, uh, if people do read through to books two and three of Don't Tell Meg trilogy, I don't know why they don't go and then to buy you know, dead of night and all the other books I market in the back of the book, but they, they don't. There's a small trickle of that, but it would be crazy of me to unpublish those books until I've, I've had that traffic surge that I'm going to get from the book bub. So what I will do is I will unpublish my standalone thrillers, probably, uh, so this is March, April, May. So probably about end of May, either end of April or end of May, depending on how the sales go and when they dropped off, because this is the third book I had. Uh, so the standalones will be unpublished. I will put you Covers on them. I will probably, I'll probably give them new titles, and I will go through the 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 small amounts of feedback because I haven't really sold many of them. As far as the the market's concerned, their new books. I will go through the feedback, and I'll make any kind of adjustments that I feel I need to make to the book. So if I had any feedback that's negative on them, I'll I'll tweak the books just to account for that feedback, and then. I just said to Helen Fazal, who's my editor, I said, I need now So Many Lies ready for September. I will rapid release the thrillers from September onwards. So the order will be So Many Lies, you cover Helen Fazal edit, which is doing, she starts, I think, April, but she'll have that done by the end of July for me. Uh, So So Many Lies first, then it will be Dead of Night, whatever I call that when it's re-released. It will be One Fatal Error. It will be Burden of Guilt. It will be Who to Trust. And then... If that rapid release is working, I will very quickly turn around. Don't tell Meg trilogy. Uh, probably give it a new title and some new covers, and uh, and then put that at the tail end of the rapid re-release. Also, if that's going very well, if it if it does fire off in a really good way, sure as heck, I will get my head down and very quickly bang some thrillers out. <laughs> get some new thrillers out to add to that list and capitalise on it for as long as I can. Now, before that, of course, I'm writing these military sci-fis at the moment. So I'm going to have three military sci-fis written by the end of March. We are still uh, discussing the collaboration on that. So, you know, still I can't tell you whether that's going to be a collaboration or not. Now, if it is going to be a collaboration, we have got the contract terms sorted out. If it is going to be a collaboration, then under the collaboration arrangements, I'm not going to have to pay for the edits or the covers. So the three covers I bought will be reimbursed to me. The edits will be done. And of course, that then means these books will be released much faster, because all I got to do is write them and do, make my edits on them. And we can start getting these things out. So those will be rapid released. Not quite sure where we'll hit with that yet. But I would guess if I finish the last one in March, I'm guessing we ought to be rapid releasing those by June, July, probably something like that. So by the time I know this is this is very complicated, is I almost feel like I need to be giving you diagrams for this. Or I need to be like Jon Snow, those of you in the UK. Who know election nights. I feel like I need to be like Jeremy Vine or Jon Snow with an interactive map behind me so I can illustrate this. Um, or, you know, on, if you've ever watched Dad's Army at the beginning, where you see the kind of the movements where they're, um, you know, um, the, the, the Germans are attacking, um, over the channel and you see the arrows on there. I, I need something like that to sort of make this clearer for you, I feel. But, um, basically I will know by the time it comes to rapid release time of the thrillers, I will have a very good idea whether the rapid release of the military sci fi is going well, indifferently, or it's tanked. So the problem will be is if they both go well, (laughs) then I'm writing everything very fast. I don't know what I'll do if that happens, but we'll figure that out if it ever comes to it. But, um, you know, if if obviously if the sci-fi takes off with rapid re-release, I'm writing sci-fis and banging them out, and I got a plan for the first six of those. If the... um, If the thrillers take off, then um, I I guess I just have to judge it at the time. And if everything tanks, then we're back to square one. (laughs) uh, I'll have to start writing romantic fiction or something if everything tanks. But, you know, so many people are talking about rapid release now. So many people are having success with it. I just feel like that's got to be this year's mission. I've got to try rapid release and see if I can make it work for me. It's a huge pain in the butt to me not to be able to uh, advertise on Facebook. I, I am... incredibly frustrated by that but I just have to work with what I got I guess so another book bub excited about that we've now got the time scale for the rapid re-release of my thrillers it's going to be September it's going to start with so many lies and I reckon by the time we get to September that will have given me three quarters of a year basically to be doing the military sci-fi would have a pretty good idea by that time whether that's tanking or not and so I should have a a good idea again by September or, or certainly towards the end of the year which which ship I need to jump to uh you know whichever one's making the money if they both make money I'm gonna have to do a James Patterson oh there went to flying pig but you never know we've got to try these things haven't we so I was going to take the standalone thrillers off sale, but I'm not going to do that now till April, May time. They they can just sit there. The other thing that I thought of, I think I've, I can't remember if I mentioned this. When I was in Benidorm, my Who to Trust thriller is set in Benidorm. And I was thinking that I might just tweak that book before it gets re-released because I'm quite tempted to write a Benidorm series of crime novels Co- cozy crime and by cozy crime i don't mean too miss marple but i mean take the sex take the violence out and just have it as a, a good kind of who who done it kind of book because i when i was out there in Benidorm, I, I saw a couple of sort of english newspaper outlets and things that I, would be good for advertising and it did just make me think, well, I like coming out here. This could be a nice little winter job, right? A little cosy crime every year set in Benidorm. And I couldn't find a series of books that is exclusively set in Benidorm. And it has, you know, this wonderful international population that go there every year. And I just thought, you know, it'd be quite easy um to, to come up with a nice little series here. Cosy crime, so it's general appeal. Uh, not too, not twee. I don't mean twee cosy crime. I just mean no sex, no horrible violence in there, Um you know, and, and, and watch the language that, that, that's all I would do. So it'd just be a very accessible, a generally accessible book. But I thought I'm quite tempted to do this. So I may use my Who to Trust book as a bridge to that series, as a way of bringing existing audience to it. And then if I wrote those books, then to market it to. To sort of people in Benidorm, I think it'd be a great way to kind of get the word out and get interest there, and to give books away in local uh, the Brit magazines. That they have it'd be a great way to to sort of get interest on that. So that's just something at the back of my mind. So if I when I rapid re-release the thrillers, Who to Trust will be the last one because I won't need to release that till probably you know maybe January in the new year, even as late as that, January February in, in a year's time depending on on kind of what rapid re- release strategy I use and the spacing of the books. So um I, I can sort of postpone that decision for a little bit. But that's something that's just in the back of my mind, writing a kind of Benidorm-based series and then nipping over to that part of Spain in, in the winters and using that effectively as my winter break project. But that that's kind of longer-term planning rather than short-term planning. And talking about, uh, sort of a strategy for rapid release, I'll share this on the resources page for this week. So just head for self-publishingjourneys.com and look for this diary episode 138 and you will see a video there with Rami Vance and Brandon Ellis. And I can't remember where I saw this posted, probably in the 20 books of 50k, um, group. But, um, Rami Vance there was talking through a uh, a rapid re-release. So Rabi had just done what I'm planning to do with the thrillers, taken a load of books that were already written and and did a rapid re-release of them. And it was interesting to hear that he'd done, I think it was seven days, seven days. I've got it on my board. So plus seven days delay, plus seven days delay, plus 14, plus 14, then a 21 day sequence. And that had worked very well for Rami. Now, these these blooming rapid re-release schedules get tighter and tighter by, by the day. But that, that is, that is a schedule I could keep up with my thrillers, for instance, because they're already written. i got the, I've already got them in the pot. If I got seven thrillers in the pot when I launch? Yes, yeah, seven. I got seven in the pot. So because I got seven in the pot when I start, I could actually keep that up. Whereas if you're writing them as you go along, say with the military sci fis I look at that, I think, oh my goodness, you know, that's a lot of writing to get done very fast to be able to rapid re-release that. So I think the, the militaries are going to have to be a slightly slower rapid release schedule but the thrillers I might be able to sustain one like that but um, it's it's a video that's well worth watching it's Rami Vance Uh, Rami's the gentleman who has uh, arranged 20 books Edinburgh so if you think you recognize the name you do but the video is also with uh, sci-fi writer Brandon Ellis and they're just kind of chewing the fat about that really so it's on the resources page Um, you might not want to listen to the whole interview but if you listen to the bit about rapid release in the first half hour pretty sure it's to the first half hour that's well worth listening to So I haven't just been writing, I've also been editing. And this week I edited the final book in the Secret Bunker Trilogy. So that book is called Regeneration. Now, if you remember, I have I paid Helen Fazal to go through the books, to re-edit them and to put them all in past tense. And I was effectively, this is just my final mop-up read just to make sure uh, Helen hadn't missed any of the tenses and just to tweak any last minute things that I want to tweak. So The Secret Bunker is now edited. It's all past tense. I did that on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. I, I, it's interesting because I haven't really, I haven't been immersed in that book since 2014, 15. So I was reading it almost as a reader would read it. And I I'd really enjoyed it. There's a few things I might change, um, but bearing in mind it was written, very much for a teenage audience. If if I could deliver it to a teenage audience, I wouldn't change this. But because mainly an adult audience reads it, I might have just made the sections more sustained. It's got lots of quite small sections and that was done intentionally because it makes it really, really easy to read, to put up and to put down. And, and that's what made it really easy to edit too, which is why I managed to do it um, so quickly. But uh, I'm, I'm really pleased with it. Having come to it almost fresh, having kind of forgotten the story and all the bits and pieces, I'm really quite pleased with it, bearing in mind it's my first book in terms of the plot and the structure and how I tie up the loose ends. And also, um, although the reader won't know it, I've, I've left something open that I can come back to at some point. I got a time travel story based around the secret bunker and the grid as well that I also set up in phase six. So I haven't actually, I do actually mention it in my author notes now, but, uh, it was just in my head before I didn't mention it to anybody. Um, it, it feels good to have that done. So this weekend, I'm going to process those files for vellum and I will release the or update the files for the secret bug trilogy in, in the ebook form. I said to you last week that it's too complicated for me to format on vellum. I can't get all these orphans and widows. They call them. I think, I think that's what they call them orphans and widows, all the bits that, that drop over on pages. I can't make head or tail of that. So I'm sending that to a formatter. Um, and, and it is, as I said last week, unique. With the Secret Bunker because of the, the short nature of the, the sections. And it. it just gives you a little bit of a formatting problem. I, I haven't had that problem with any of the other books, but I have The Secret Bunker. So I'm going to send that off to uh, Frostbite Publishing. Now, Frostbite Publishing were the people I started to use. They formatted the original Don't Tell Megs. So when I was beginning to make a little bit more money, not a lot, but a little bit more money with the books... And I was starting to outsource my, this is before I got Vellum. I was outsourcing my formatting and I used Frostbite Publishing to do this. And I loved them. They were great. Really, really neat, nice formatting job, Frostbite Publishing. Very professional. Got it back in time. Really rate them. Very, very happy with the service. Then I got Vellum. And I, I kind of didn't need Frostbite Publishing because Vellum did everything for me. But now I need to get this properly formatted. I'm not going to mess around in Vellum forever. I'm not going to mess around in Word. I'm just going to send it straight over to Frostbite Publishing and ask them to format it. So that's the other thing I'm going to get done this week. And when that formatting comes back, I will update the paperback files too. And then it now being February uh, and the secret bug opens to the public in a month's time, I will get those paperbacks uh, proofed i'll get proof copies make sure they look lovely then I'm going to send uh, a batch of 20 over to the Secret Bunker ready for the new season. And I'm also going to send over those special stickers for the 25th anniversary that I got printed. So it does feel like a pincer movement. all these plans are really begin- beginning to come together quite neatly now. I know, as I say, I do feel like I need a diagram almost for you to explain all of this. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, there is there is method in my madness with all of this. But it feels great to have the Secret Bunker edits done now. I'll polish that one off this weekend. And then in the evenings from next week and for the next three weeks, what happens now is I finish my first military sci-fi on Sunday. And then for the next three weeks in the evenings while I'm writing book two, I'll be editing book one in the evening. So I'll be going through that. Um, I got lots of, lots of time then. And my, my, I have sort of two objectives. My two objectives then are write book two, edit book one. So by edit book one, this is my edit this is before it goes to an editor this is this is me pouring all over it um i have with the people i'm collaborating with i hope i'm going to be able to tell you about this at some point i'll i'll, I'll spit all the beans when we've you know we've we've agreed and signed contracts and everything um but i'm not going to i'm going to keep my powder dry until we do but um As far as that's concerned, um, I've got this kind of Bible for the universe that I'm writing in. So what I need to do now is what what you've got in draft one is just me, get the story down, get the story down. And to be honest with you, I do write fairly accurately. So the story is okay. But I I need to read, my wife comes behind sort of reading it and telling me whether I've got anything wrong, any questions, have I missed anything out, not tied up any loose ends. So my wife does first read. Uh, and then, then I um, I will do my sort of thorough edits on it. And in this case, I got to look at all the notes I've got about the world that I'm building in, and I just need to sort of make sure I've got the weaponry consistent, the ranks consistent, the terminology consistent, because I'm I'm fitting this into somebody else's world. And I gotta do my kind of edit for spellings and grammar and all of those sorts of things. Plus I have a style guide to work to as well. So I got a note to take note of the style guide. So that's what's happening over the next three weeks. I then deliver it to a a covers a, a, a proper editor uh who will go through it and, you know, work out whether it's nonsense and what I got wrong and things, and then it will come back to me for final edit. So there's still a lot of work to go, but the story's kind of down and you know, we've got the story. That's always the main thing. So um, that's what's happening from next week. Now, interestingly, this was perfect timing. Actually, I, I, I must have set the date for this, but I completely forgotten I had. Um, do you remember the author notes I did before Christmas, and I dictated these. These were all dictated the author notes. Um, so they they were all fine. Uh, but when I when I looked at them, because I dictated them, I find it really hard to organise my writing into paragraphs when I dictate. I don't know why. I have no trouble with it when I'm writing it, but when I when I read it, I I, I did it as lines. I did it on separate lines. I didn't do it in paragraphs. So I paid a, a separate proofreader. So this is a proofreader rather than an editor as such, because it, it was cheaper and faster to do. Um, I just got those author notes proofread, and I paid a little bit extra and said, "Will you also paragraph it off for me?" Because to be honest with you, I just thought I'm at a loss with this. I, I you know my grammar. Of, I'm not very good at all this stuff, which is why we need editors. So I just signed it off to somebody else. I outsourced it, basically, and thought, let's just get somebody who's coming to it for cold, who knows what they're talking about. And they can paragraph it off. So um, it's been proofread. It's been paragraphed, and they arrived today. It only cost me... I, I actually added some to the bill because it cost nothing. It was 40 quid for 17,260 words to have it proofread and paragraphed off. That's great value, wasn't it? So I, I added a bit added a bit to the invoice because that didn't, didn't feel like the right price to me that so um I, I kind of tipped it in, in that case because if that just felt really cheap to me Um but it was perfect timing because of course I'm processing the secret bunker files over the weekend and I now have a proof read and paragraph copy which is fantastic so beautiful timing which means that's just right for me sending the files off to Frostbite Publishing for uh, paperback formatting and for me processing the files in vellum over the weekend so that that was really well timed I'd, I'd forgotten I'd done that I, I might have even timed it I don't know maybe I timed all of this I don't know but, but if I did I'm very pleased I did because it was it was beautiful just came in right at the, the right moment about half an hour after I'd finished writing today so it really was excellent I sent out my monthly email on Sunday and I'm going to continue doing that because it's working very well interesting I was listening to is it tar- no, it was, I was just about to give a name of somebody I work with locally. Who's the lady who does the email books who was on Joanna Penn's podcast recently? And Mark Dawson has also had an email expert on recently. Anyhow, I've listened to both those episodes and, and pretty well all the email experts now are saying, don't sell, don't sell, make it personal, tell personal stories. That's pretty well what those interviews tell you. And that's what I'm doing with my own emails. And that's what I'm having success with at the moment. Um, so I'm going to continue that. I'm not really directly selling in my emails. Uh, you, you know, there's no buy my book. Uh, it's, uh, if I, if I mention my books, I'm weaving them into whatever I'm talking about in the, in the email and just providing a link. I'm not saying buy now. I'm just literally providing a link. So uh, just to let you know, by the way, I add my monthly emails in MailerLite to the Self Publishing Journeys website. So if you go to selfpublishingjourneys.com, if you want to look at my back catalogue now, and there must be, I think, 12, 13 of them now, um, if you want to see these more personable emails that are working really well, just go to selfpublishingjourneys.com, go to the top right-hand side menu, look for the link email archive, and you will be able to access all my past emails online so you can get a a sense of of what's working so well for me. And this month, I asked a question about, should authors use violence in books? And I've had some really good responses. I I, I know I keep telling you this. I have got to put these into blog posts. They're fairly easy blog posts to do. I mean, bear with me. As you can tell, I'm quite busy writing and editing at the moment. But if I do kind of come up for air at any point and and have a little bit of time to get a job done, I will start to release this information as blog posts, because all I got to do is cut and paste the comments from the emails, but they're, it's brilliant information. And I can't recommend this to you highly enough because um, I'm, I, it's, it's just an excellent opportunity to chat to people who are reading your books. It's brilliant author research, you know, because I'm asking questions about the kind of books that I write, but it's just working excellently for me and also it's going to give me some great blog content and as I said to you I'm not setting I don't want to do how to blog content at the moment I don't I just want to be out that market for the time being I don't want people kind of asking me how do you do this how do you do that I just kind of want to write at the moment so it gives me blog content that isn't about me teaching people how to do things it just it's about sort of sharing information that my that my readers are sharing with me so it's a really good fit very happy with it and I had a load of replies again to this month's question. So I'm, I'm really just going to do that pretty well every month. I'll shake it up every now and then, just so that people don't kind of, you know, it doesn't get predictable, but I am finding these author questions just, it's like gold dust, the information you get from it. Um The other thing I did is I, I mentioned to you last week that I published my Benidorm video. So I shot a lot of videos based around my book, Who to Trust in Benidorm, and I edited them and put them on YouTube last week. And I mentioned that in... The newsletter I sent out on Sunday now I found it hard to believe that all these views have come from my newsletter but I've had 315 views on one of those videos alone now I suspect it's because it's a video that's been that was shot outside a place called Morgan Tavern in Benidorm now again just bear with me if you watch the tv series in the UK called Benidorm that the characters always um go to what they call Neptune's bar in the evening and they have karaoke scenes and they they just use it as one of the locations in in the TV series Benidorm and Morgan Tavern in Benidorm is where they film it and i set one of the scenes of my book there because i went there last year and it's where my favorite um queen cover band goes so i spend a lot of time in there when i'm in benidorm it's, it's just a brilliant place to go so i could only assume i can't believe that those 315 views have come just from my email that doesn't feel right to me so I'm wondering if I've kind of just hit a little bit of a seam here and that by making it about Morgan Tavern in Benidorm and as that's somewhere that you know people who are heading to Benidorm or people like the TV series would search for I'm wondering if I've just kind of hit on a lucky a lucky break with that because the other videos that I posted have had quite a lot of views you know I don't know about you but when I put something on YouTube it usually has a handful of views for quite a long time I don't have a, I don't have a lot of videos with a lot of views. So that's a lot of views for a video for me. 315 is is, is ridiculous. I haven't had that in the lifetime of of some of my videos uh, for some of them. My how-to stuff used to get lots of views. I've had thousands of views in some of my older how-to stuff, Um, but my author stuff doesn't get that number of views. So, um, you know, that might be lucky. It might... Just be a, a handy kind of keyword that's sending traffic my way. Um, it just doesn't, you know, some things don't ring true. 315 views. It's only got one like on it and I don't see any trickle through a book sale. So I am a little bit suspicious, but anyhow, you can't knock 315 views, can you on a YouTube video? I put the price up on the grid now. So as I was explaining to you with don't tell Meg, when you do a book bub, you, you generally get three. Sort of good months out of it and um, where the income's great, you know, more than you would get. And I, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am that I've got the book, book this month because I had a note at the bottom to say to you, because I, I like to be honest about all of this stuff that my income was becoming very blur again. And um, because, you know, obviously I hadn't had a don't tell meg promo for six months, the grid promo was what four four months ago now something like that it was quite a lot long time ago and so that one's pretty well petered out and although my core income is up it it was it it was not good. It was not at uh, sort of book bub level. So it was probably ses- settling in between the eight hundred pounds to a thousand pounds mark. Um, you know, with no book bubs, with no promos on it. So I was just beginning to think, oh, you know, here we go. We're settling right back down again. So that, that book bub couldn't have been better timed, <laughs> I have to say. Because that means I got some nice months coming up again, which is very handy for cash flow, as you know. Um but um the reason the reason that it had switched off Um, There is a very good reason for that. And the reason for that is that I have, I put Don't Tell Meg price back up, ready to submit it to Bookbub, because I don't want to submit it to Bookbub as a perma-free. So, but Don't Tell Meg's price has been up, um, at $2.99 in the UK and $3.99 in the USA, ready to submit to Bookbub, so that they get a price differential. They can advertise it as a price reduction. Not as a perma free book, which I think they prefer. Um, so I also have done that with the grid now because the, the kind of tail end of that grid promo is gone now. Um, I'm not really massively aware of there being any kind of uptick in my income as a result of that. Um, then I've, I've, Price the grid now back at £2.99, $3.99. Because again, I'm positioning that to submit it for another book bub. Uh, and I can't remember when I could do that. Is it? I've got it written down on my schedule because the minute the minute it happens, it will get submitted. Can't oh there we go. The grid can go on the 10th of March 10th of March. 10th of April. Sorry, excuse me when I dither with my dates. Is it 10th of March or 10th of April, Paul? I think it's the 10th of it's the 10th of April so the grid could go on the 10th of April for a book Bob. so again because the tail end's finished now I've priced it back up now the reason for that is is that because um what I'm where I see the sales and I'm still seeing the sales the majority of my sales are coming from don't tell meg book two don't tell meg book three uh the grid two the grid three and that's kind of the after ripple of all the promos that I've been doing I would expect that that's where I'm making my sales now so I'm pricing them back up because I don't want them to be perma-free. These books are not going to be perma-free. So certainly not at the moment. And I'm keeping them wide. And my strategy is going to be with Don't Tell Meg, I'm going to do this next promo wide. Then Don't Tell Meg is going back into KDP Select after that. And I'm going to try, I'm going to keep trying for front of the book bub with it, but I'm going to go for KDP Select only that time so I can get the reads. I want to get the reads on it and the grid i'll i will keep that wide and uh, and i'm going to go for a second book bub on that in the minute i can in april because i'm i'm considering um revamping all of my sci-fis as well depending on how the thriller relaunch goes and depending on how my uh what are they called military sci-fi books go it makes all the sense in the world to me if those military sci-fis take off I'm going to put covers on using the same cover artist on my existing sci-fis. I'm going to brand them slightly differently as a, as with a different series name. One of the criticisms I had, it's not a huge criticism, but um, somebody said what a crap title the grid is. And, and, and so i i was thinking you know i could easily change that if i do rapid re-release so i just won't call it the grid uh, i'll call it um the justice zone or something like that i'll just give it some fancy title that sounds a bit more exciting than the grid and and, and rapid re-release so so um why i'm telling you that is i'm i'm pricing the grid at at 2.99 3.99 the secret bunker is priced too because as you know i'm submitting that monthly but i want bookbubs to create good income months to pay for this work. And so my strategy with the sci-fi is, is that if the if I start to kind of find a new audience through collaboration with the military sci-fis, it makes all the sense in the world then to similarly brand my existing sci-fi novels to just slightly repackage the universe uh, because they are all part of a series and make them look like they're all part of the same series and put similar covers on and then try to get that kick off the military sci-fis if they're going well as well. So there's a lot of things kind of going on in my head here but the the core kind of value is is making the most of that catalogue not just forgetting stuff i've done but improving it re it repackaging it where necessary to try and make it kind of work well for me to use assets proactively not just to write books and forget them that's really what i'm about here with this and and, and obviously to try and kickstart a level of income which is then sustaining Now I said to you last year that my total income was twenty and a half thousand dollars, but you see the the problem with that is is that's a great. You know I'm happy with that as an annual income, and remember I'm not taking that out as pay. That's all getting funneled straight back into the business, so it's it's not producing an income for me. It's just producing um, sort of revenue that I can then plow back into the business, which is which is great, which is fine, because you know if you ever. If, if there was a day when I said, okay, I got 15 books now, all I'm going to do with those books now, I'm not writing anything else. All I'm going to do is market those books and take the income from them. At that point, I could take income out. Um, so you know, a certain percentage would be advertising costs. The rest I just take as income. So you've always got that as an option when you've got kind of the assets that are books, but that isn't my game plan. My game plan is to keep writing books. And so I let that profit roll forward and I channel it back into the business at the moment. That, that's kind of how I'm. what my strategy is. So, I can't remember where I was going with that. Anyway, um, whatever. I, I, I'm using assets. Um, I need to use the profits from the business. Um, oh yeah, 20, I was saying about $25,000, wasn't I, as, as income? You know, the thing is, is that if I don't get a book bub, that income's going to drop. It's going to drop to a mediocre, boring amount and what i need to try and find is i need to try and find us. The, the amount's gone up by the way you know the co- the core always goes up um but it's but, but not enough not enough to sustain me um and that's really my kind of pain spot at the moment um i know if you're listening to this and you've never had a book bub and if you're in, in you know you're still on the kind of 100 dollars a month or or, or less uh, which if you listen back to these diaries i i I've, I've been there for a long time you know i have i've managed to move up a notch $20,500 as a, as a gross income for books. It's a good number. And I'm, I'm proud of that number. It, it was double the year before. The, these are good numbers, but it's not enough to sustain me. And that's really, really where my focus is in creating, you know, either learning the business or creating enough books or creating a series that could sustain me on an ongoing basis. At the moment, I'm only as good as my last book but That isn't an author career. I, I, and it's the author career. It's a sustainability that I'm after. And and that's really my pain spot at, at the moment, uh, you know, just to let you know where I'm putting my focus. So where are we? Um, yeah, I've, I've booked a lot of ads this week, actually. So uh, again, uh, when I do these diaries, I think, bearing in mind I'm at work three days a week, I'm never really quite sure how I get all of this done. I also got a trip to the cinema yesterday. You know, I said to you that um, you mustn't be working all the time. Um, I got my writing done yesterday and I was done by, uh, Where was I done? About one thirty. I went to see Vice at the cinema, which was in the afternoon. So I, I am always looking for these little pockets, where I so I'm not working all the time. And so, yeah, I went to the cinema yesterday, I watched a film, which was great, then came back and did, did some work in the evening. So it does work very well like that. And, of course, the cinema is really quiet during the day, so I, I really like going during the day. Anyhow, let's talk about promos. I've got a lot of promos going on at the moment. So I think I told you last week that I've booked a Bargain booksie on Don't Tell Meg. So that's actually quite convenient. This is what I was saying to you about the timing is good on the BookBub because the Bargain booksee is on the 7th of February. The BookBub is on the 24th of February. So what I can do is I can, I can uh, price down the book to 99 pence, 99 cents for the 7th of February, let it run for a couple of days. And then as soon as those couple of days are over, I've then got time to go to Amazon and to go to everybody else, get that price put down to zero in plenty of time, ready for the book. But And having learned my lesson last time, I'll be going to Amazon earlier this time to get that price reduced to zero. Um, So... Got the bargain booksy at ninety nine pence and cents. Never done a ninety nine cents pence promo before, so really interested to see what that does. If it does well on bargain booksy, I might be tempted to try ninety nine pence or cents one on on bookbub to see how that goes. But we'll we'll see about that. We'll we'll, we'll give that some time. And um, what that's given me um kind of an opportunity to do is to try out draft the digitals price promotion scheduler because I've never used that before, it's a new feature in draft the digital so I've, I've actually scheduled that price drop to 99 pence or cents in draft the digital and I'm hoping, Touchwood, because I'm testing it, that I'd better get that price ready for that promo, I hope I'm not going to have any last minute problems with that, so I, I am a little bit jittery about it, because I've not used it before, but um, i got to use it, because it's, it's another brilliant innovation from draft the digital so I'm a little bit nervous, I think I've maybe set it so it goes a day early, so if it, if it, if it doesn't come in on time I can get straight on to draft the digital support so guys this didn't work could you drop this price for me um so we'll see um so experimentation 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 I'm trying new things all the time I've also today uh well sorry yesterday at the time of recording this, so Thursday it's so just a Thursday of this week um my book sweeps promotion started and now but what book sweeps does is you pay 35 quid something like that it's it's of that it's of that sort of price tag and you I think you you basically give away two or three books that's your involvement in it and you pay that money and you have to promote it to your list as well and they I think from the proceeds they add uh, uh, an e-reader or something as a prize and then you've got all these authors taking part promoting it to their list and then you end up getting a uh, they, they send you the list back and it's all GDPR compliant and all, all of this stuff so it, it rings all the bells um, as far as GDPR compliance is concerned so and um, I was—I'd mentioned this. I think I mentioned it last week. And Nathan Burrows, who's uh, an author who has been on this podcast before, Nathan's a UK author. If you want to listen to his podcast episodes, it's episode number one, two, three. But Nathan dropped me a note via Twitter and said, "Oh, I've done two promos with book sweep so far—one with a thriller and one with a humor book—and Nathan says that he got one thousand one hundred subscriptions for the thriller." Which is what I'm doing, and 400 subscriptions for the humor. So he's got a, a total of one and a half thousand subscriptions from two promos on book sweeps, and he reports a 45 percent open rate. Sorry, yeah, open 45 percent open rate and a 9 percent click rate after a couple of months. So, so what? What if you don't understand email marketing? What that means is, is they are a dedicated, targeted quality list you're not getting rubbish leads here you're getting readers and openers is what Nathan's saying there so um, that's very very interesting um I'm my list at the moment is about three and a half thousand bearing in mind that I'm going to be doing rapid re-releases this year I want to get those numbers up um and I want to move into the next payment tier of MailerLite. So I want to get at least to my 5,000 threshold, but I'd like to move it into a new tier. I'd like to start working on the five to 10,000 tier because when I do rapid re-release, mailing my list is going to be one of the strategies that I need to use. So again, I've mentioned this in a previous diary and listening to so many of these rapid re-release interviews recently, this is where my focus is this year. What What a lot of the intelligence is saying is that before you you need to build the list up gently. You need to not just do a book bub and then throw every bit of traffic at the release. You need to have it. it, Amazon's algorithm likes it when it builds up bit by bit by bit. And your mailing list and mailing list swaps, which is another thing I've never done before. Mailing list swaps are a way to do that. So you build the traffic up and the position in Amazon goes up and up. We're only talking about Amazon here because all of these rapid re-releases are going to be in KDP Select because I want the reads. Reads are brilliant. Um, I know they're a drug that authors get addicted to and, and can't weed themselves off. But the rapid re-release has to be, uh, for my money, and I think of everything I'm listening to, has to be KDP Select. So these books will be going exclusive for that, in, in readiness for that. Um But I need a bigger list because sending to my list is going to be part of that traffic driving strategy when I do rapid re-release so mindful that this is going to be coming up you know the the military sci-fi is probably coming up I would guess by the time they're edited and ready to go I'm guessing it's going to be June July time that we start to re-release those or start to re-release those for the first time and I'm guessing that it will probably be well it will be September October that we do the thrillers that gives me plenty of time now to be building those lists up so I've got uh, a kind of a hungry list of my own subscribers that I have a relationship with that I can help to fan those promos with. Now, another thing that Nathan also mentioned to me is that, um, interestingly, he's about to use something um, or he is using something that I'm about to use. So it's been on my radar. One of those things I've heard about on a podcast and and jotted down, I haven't got to it yet, but it's it, it's just moved up the list because of what Nathan said to me. Nathan said that he's also using story origin app. Dot com storyoriginapp.com. I'll put a link to that on the show notes. Um, and basically this is a list swapping tool. Now I've been very reluctant to use list swapping tools because it's something I used to do when I was an internet marketer. We used to, we used to do kind of product swaps and we used to sh- share each other's free products. So I, I have got a lot of experience of this in internet marketing, but where, where you were promoting something that frankly was a bit crappy, um, it would have a negative effect on your list. So, I'm interested in Story Origin app because it's kind of keeping the quality of the number of the lists up. And uh, it's a good little tool. I'm very interested in it. So I'm going to look at that and I'll give it a try. I'm going to give it a try anyway, and I'll get back to you and let you know how that goes. But um, Nathan also said that he's using that with some success for list building. So these are all tools that I hope that you can use at some point. Okay. um, I've been, I think I told you this last week, I've been doing Amazon ads. I, I'd, I'd reboosted my Amazon ads, but I got to tell you, I don't, I like lock screen ads. I like the concept of it, mainly because they're so simple. I don't have to write any copy, um, with lock screen ads. I've been using these lock screen ads on Amazon.com mm. and, um, as I love the way they appear to me when you turn on your, your kind of e-device and you get these adverts, it's a beautiful placing for them, but I, I've been running them and they're, Frankly, burning up a budget, and I haven't made any sales from them. So I just wanted to throw this one out. There's anybody using lock screen ads successfully? Got any tips on them? Because I've just paused mine for the time being because they were they were burning up spend, but they weren't. Um, I didn't make any sales on them. Whereas my keyword ones do. I mean, it's so hard on Amazon, isn't it? You know, I, I however, I, I have keyword ads that work, but I just can't spend enough money. They, don't, they just don't send. It's like, well, that's very nice. I've, I've made. 30 sales or whatever it is but I just can't spend the money fast enough let me just go to Amazon so apologies for this I should have had this up but in, in the UK let me just tell you what my lifetimes are in the UK because the the kind of numbers are good but I just can't spend the money num- money fast enough and when I saw Brian Cohen's when he did his webinar recently and he I think he's he's looked like he was running at a loss I thought well my figures aren't so bad so let me just give my UK's look this is my UK's and i got a big budget set on these i got 300 pound a day budget set on these to try and make it spend the money and it's still not spending the money so in my in my amazon uk account i've spent 40 pounds 88 i've got sales of 158 pounds 68 so what's that it's whatever it is 75% up on the deal something like that my acos is 25.76% average i've had 104 orders from that 40 spend and I've had uh, nearly 750,000 impressions. Now those numbers um, all stack up. So um, I spend £40, I make £150. So if I spend £400, I make £1,500. That's the kind of logic of it. But Amazon won't let me spend the money and I don't know how to spend the money. So I'm, I'm getting on well with the numbers in the UK on Amazon, but I can't spend the money. It won't let me spend money. And in the US, I'm not getting on so well. And the lock screen ads were just burning my cash and I wasn't making any sales. So I really just wanted to throw that out there and say, you know, anybody have any success? Um, anybody got any tips I can share on, on the podcast, you know, share with everybody if you pass them by way and any thoughts on lock screen ads. My inclination is I love them. They're simple. They should work. They're, they're right where people need to see them, but I'm making no money off mine. So have I switched them off too soon? Should I left them longer to kick in? Any intelligence that you can give me on this gratefully received. I just want to shout out to a couple of people as well. Um, Dale Devino contacted me this week. Thank you very much, Dale. Lovely to hear from you. And it's, I've heard from a couple of people this week who are, are not names that I'm familiar with. And it's always, it's always so lovely for me when, when you've been doing a podcast for a long time. It's always great to hear from regulars that I know already. But when you hear names who write to you and say, oh, I've been listening to the podcast for ages, really enjoy it. And, and, and you've not seen them on social media before you hadn't got a clue they were out there it's really really gratifying for that and so I've, I've had a couple of these this week and so thank you uh, to Dale who reached out and Dale had been listening to me say that because I was out the habit of taking screenshots of my word count in Scrivener um and, and so I hadn't got all my word counts I like to take those screenshots as a, as a record and um, Dale reached out and said did you know that you can if you go into Scrivener you go to project writing history, you can get a daily history of all the words written. Um, and so I, I dived straight into Scrivener, had a look and it wasn't there in mind. So I said, are you using the Mac version, Dale? And Dale is using the Mac version. So let me share the tip anyway, because it's a great one. Unfortunately, Scrivener in, in, in the sort of PC version and Scrivener in the Mac version, they're, they're slightly different. Sounds like the Mac version's are much better. I think it is much better on the Mac with Scrivener. It has a lot more bells and whistles, I think. But that's a great tip. If you want to see your writing history in Scrivener on a Mac, go to Project Writing History, and then you can see your back catalogue. So thanks, Dale, for reaching out. Lovely to hear that you enjoyed the podcast. Also, James S. Aaron got in touch and um james was um again uh, james is in oregon fantastic uh, i've not spoken to james before so again uh, for me a new listener to the show um and james was just really saying um you know why he thinks that he was responding to me commenting that, that the podcast diary is, seems to be the most popular part of the show ever since I've been doing this podcast diary. People say, Oh, you know, I enjoy the interviews, but actually I love the podcast diary. It's, it's to, to a man and a woman. People always say, enjoy the podcast. If they do enjoy the podcast, love the diary. And I always get that from people. So, you know, when you're getting feedback and you think, I need to listen to the feedback, which is why I've focused on this diary now. And, and James is really just sharing his thoughts um, about why he thinks that is. And um, James has only recently discovered the podcast, but has, says he's really come to enjoy it. He says, it's a really, really unique experience to get to hear your thoughts every week, as if I'm sitting there in the office with you. Yeah, you can hear the creaking. Oh, did you hear it then? You can hear my creaking chair as well. <laughs> That's just like the office experience. And so James says, I appreciate your honesty and your willingness to share. So thanks for everything you're doing. It's been inspiring to me. I've told at least 10 people about the podcast since I started listening. James, I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. I love the feedback that, that you know, it really kind of puts um, fuel in you, in your tank when, when people let you know that they're enjoying it. Um, the, the other thing that people say to me, so they say they like the podcast diary. And the other thing I get is the sort of the honesty of the sharing. And that's why... Um, I'm very proactively making sure sometimes I might, I might just forget it because it's almost negligible to me. It's why I'm sharing things like I mentioned earlier that my income's dropping. Now I'm out of bookbub zone. I'm kind of struggling again. And although my core income is up to that 800 to 1000 pound level, which is good, it's, it's dropped considerably since the bookbubs. And that's why I'm kind of trying to proactively share those things with you. Things I might just think, oh, Just observe and and forget to mention to you because I think it's really important that you, you see how this works because I'm, I'm very much a lower level author, but that's where most of, most of us are. We're, we're kind of, you know, we're writing the books, we're doing the work, but we're struggling. To get it going. And I, I now at least, I mean, I've been at this four or five years now. So, it, you know, to me, it feels like it's about time. I, I do feel like I have moved up a little notch now. So for a long time, when I, when I was kind of budgeting ahead you know, on my business expenses, I, I would pencil in a hundred pounds a month because I was pretty sure that's what I was going to earn. Every, but I knew I was going to earn that every month, and that was for a long time. This is when I sort of discovered marketing and things, and now actually I could pretty confidently put you know five hundred, seven hundred pounds in there every month because I I feel like that's now re- repeating safe income. Now clearly I have much better months than that when I when I've got a book bub, um, but I, I felt it was just really important to let you know that it's not all five thousand pound month you know that's that's a great month that you have at a book bub that's why you should try to set things up for a book bub because of course any business needs that income they need any business needs that cash flow it allows me to spend on covers and to improve things in in the business um but you don't get that every month the income falls off after a book bub and it's important i think that you 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 understand that on this podcast if nobody else mentions it you need to get that from this podcast so um I appreciate you saying that you appreciate the sort of honesty and willingness to share, James. Um, hopefully hearing about the bad stuff and the good stuff um, makes this podcast uh, worthwhile. And I will continue to share you know, the difficulties and the hard stuff because if you only hear the successes, I, I think it makes authors feel like they're failing. If they only hear the good stuff and never the bad stuff, it makes us feel like we're failing if we're still the ones who are struggling at the bottom. Um, you know I, I can certainly feel that way I can feel quite deflated sometimes I'm never going to reach that and 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 if but if people are telling me all the time you know I'm earning this now but these were the problems I had then this is what I had to overcome and this is how I did it to me that's the gold dust that any kind of author who's wherever they are on the journey that's the kind of gold dust we need to be hearing um I'm not to mention book brush uh bookbrush I've, I've mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh bookbrush reached out to me somehow they'd found out that i'd mentioned them on the podcast um they very kindly offered me uh, a a discount to take up the paid version, a fifty percent discount. Uh, These are one of the few advantages of being a podcast host. That sometimes sometimes people give you a bit of money off. And I I was very clear and said, you know, I, with my BBC kind of values running through me, I'm always very clear. If people kind of offer me a discount, is that you know, if I think it's rubbish, I'll be saying it's rubbish, whether you offer me a discount or not. I won't be blindly endorsing the thing. You know, if it's rubbish, I'll I'll be telling you it's rubbish. Um, I won't sort of take the money and then say, oh, it's wonderful. And um, I will be telling you, but it. But um, I, the, I haven't used it yet, so I, I can't tell you at the moment. Um, but what I did want to say, Bookbrush Brush are really kind of um, upping the ante with this. They did a great article on BookBub this week. They did a guest blog post. And the blog post is called How to Create Eye-Catching BookBub Ads uh, Images. And this is this is primarily why I've got Book Brush. I've got it because it enables you to make lovely kind of eye-catching graphics for your, for your books. And it goes, it's, it's a bit like Canva, but it's not Canva. Canva and BookBrush are mutually exclusive. And that if you've got Canva, you can't do what you could do on BookBrush. And this is why I'm interested in it. Because what BookBrush does, and this is quite a hard thing, this is always a hard thing in internet marketing as well. You know, the buttons that you want, like buy now on Amazon, buy now you know, here or, or get it on BookBub. What BookBrush does is it allows you to create the images, but it has the buttons on there and they're all, you know, beautifully designed and styled. And, and that's the kind of the killer point of BookBrush is that it makes, allows you to create those promotional graphics with lovely branded buttons on them. And that's a bit you can't do on Canva. So I've yet really to immerse myself in BookBrush, but my plan is to use it primarily to create BookBub picture promos, that's what I'm going to use it for. Now, this article came in this week. And actually, it's a really good article, because frankly, it shows you how to make great book bub ads using book brush. That's exactly what I need. So I've put that link on the show notes for this week I highly recommend that you check it out and take a look at BookBrush as well uh, it has a free version and a paid for version now they gave, gave me a 50% discount code on the paid version and I think it was about £35 for the year so it's a small sort of business expense as far as I'm concerned and um, I paid up upfront for the year that you know I don't mind that as a business expense absolutely fine for me and I got use of it now for the next 12 months so um, do check out the article and do just let Book Brush be on your radar and when I start to kind of use it in anger when I start to bang out um, program graphics on it and things like that I'll let you know how I get on with it but I'm you know I'm minded at the moment to tell you it is it is different from Canva I use Canva a lot but I can't do the things that I could do a book brush with Canva A book brush is specifically for authors so I'm definitely telling you to check it out and I will report back on the paid for version when I start to really kind of hammer it and make a lot of ads with it okay that's pretty well it for this week it's a long one this week we're over an hour sorry about that but there's so many things to tell you about I just want to mention uh, Tim Lewis who uh, t- t- tweets I think he listens to me on a Saturday afternoon and um, Tim tweeted um, kind of it's a bit of chipboard with a demolition in progress sign on it and Tim tweeted me to say listening to your podcast whilst walking past a demolition site and I got back to Tim and said I hope that's not a metaphor for this podcast or anything like that so that that made me titter getting that uh, particular uh, tweet and Edwin downward again a regular contributor to this podcast Um, Edwin looks like he's got an early shift because he posted and it's all dark out there he's in the car And uh, Edwin put late to post, but my view went starting listening to self-publishing journeys on a Saturday morning. So it looks to me like Edwin has to get up at the crack of dawn. You have my sympathy, Edwin. Uh, When I was at the BBC presenting breakfast shows, I used to have to get up at, I think it was 2 or 2.30 in the morning. And my shift used to start at 4.15. And I had an hour's drive to get into work. Can you believe that? I was the only person on the road. Uh, so I you have my sympathies if you're up and out early particularly during these winter mornings but thank you for using self-publishing journeys to thaw out the car on these winter mornings that's it for another podcast diary I'll keep you up to date with everything that we're up to next week I should be finishing my first military sci-fi book on Sunday I'll let you know about that next week in the meantime have a great week of writing thank you for listening speak to you soon bye-bye for now thanks for listening to Paul's podcast diary Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.